Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show. From the arts to sports and from business to history and everything in between, including your stories, send them to ouramericanstories.com. They're some of our favorites. One of the most important subjects we talk about is marriage. And that brings us to our relationship story hour with our friend J.P. DeGance, who runs a group called Communio. Communio is committed to healing marriages, and they do phenomenal work across the country. And you're about to hear from two people and about the trials they faced both to be together and to stay together. Here's JP with their story. 
Dawn and Casey Cochran have been building a life together in Jacksonville, Florida. A good life. Raising kids together from different relationships, finding fulfilling work, and navigating issues of intimacy and trust. But to really appreciate their strength and growth, we have to go way back to their childhoods. Young Casey was dealt a hand with some very tough cards. I was in a, a broken home. My parents divorced when I was very young. My dad remarried. He committed suicide in 1975. He was what we now call manic depression. But he, uh, two days before my 11th birthday, he shot himself in the head. And um, I'm the one who found him. I'm the one who opened the door and saw, you know. It changed how people perceived my brothers and myself. I mean, we were picked on. My mom was uh, scared and alone with three boys who were 11, 11, and eight. She didn't know what to do, and she remarried within a year and a half, two years, and the totally wrong guy. He was a abusive alcoholic. I was the biggest, so I got the beatings. So they divorced. My mom met this guy, Bob, and they ended up getting married. He was a great guy. We were in and out of church. Like, we would go to church after my dad died. We were in church a lot, and the youth group, and the church poured into us. And that was a major part of my life, was being in the youth group and being around uh, guys who were Christian men who we did was a thing called RAs, Royal Ambassadors. We were very involved in that. I went to high school, graduated, and went on my own way, did all the things that everyone does, all the drinking and all the partying and all the stupidness that the teenagers do. And I uh, got out of high school and joined the Navy, came to Jacksonville, got married, got divorced right after that. I mean, it was less than a year we were married. She cheated the whole time, and then I got another girl pregnant and decided to do the right thing, married her. Stayed but married for about 11 years, divorced. Both of us were unfaithful to each other. And then I met Dawn in 1999. Like Casey, Dawn also came from a broken family. Though she began life with a place where she felt like she belonged, it didn't last. My mom was pregnant with me and left my biological father and went to live with my grandmother. And she already had um, three other kids. Apparently, my oldest brother was living with my grandmother already, and my two other brothers um, were in foster care. And, um, and when I was born, my biological father, when he found out I was a girl, said he didn't want me. I didn't know any of this until much, much later, like five or ten years ago. My brothers were put in foster care as a spite move on my biological father's part, who I have, as far as I know, have never met. I've never wanted to know him, so it's never been a loss to me. So anyway, my grandmother, I lived with her until I was seven, and my grandmother, I called her my heart. I mean, she gave me love and affection and just everything I needed. She died of cancer when I was seven, which just totally just devastated me. 
I knew that my mom was my mom because she came to visit me twice when I was little. And I knew that my grandmother was my grandmother, but I called my grandmother mama. And I called my mom by her, her name. I called her Aunt Pat, Aunt Patty or whatever everybody else was calling her, but I knew she was my mom. And um, as a little girl, it made sense to me, but when I think about it as an adult, it's kind of messed up. And, you know, but, um, but back then it didn't just seem normal to me. My grandmother, she was married to, I didn't know this at the time, a pedophile. He um, had molested my mom and my aunt, and I, di I didn't know that. Um, but as soon as my grandmother got sick, I was removed from the home and put in with family friends. And I just thought it was because my grandmother was sick. I found out much, much later it was because of him. And I did not know that. Um, I didn't know that's why. So, um, so that was kind of made me feel kind of gross when I found that out. But I grew up with a lot of love in that home, you know, with my grandmother and, um, and I lived in a small town. There was a lot of family around and I never felt unloved during that time. But when she passed away, I um, had to go live with my mom who had remarried by this time. She had another child, my sister, and she'd gotten my brothers back out of foster care and my older brother was living with her. So they were, everybody was there but me. And so I had to go join this family that I never, ever felt part of. I always felt like an outsider. And my sister's father adopted us. And I guess he tried, but I don't think he knew how to be a father. And him and my mom split up. And, um, and when they did, he just kind of dropped all of us. My youngest brother, he ran away when he was 15 and um, he never came back. He's been, he's still gone. We don't know where he is. We don't know if he's dead or alive right now. And you're listening to Don and Casey Cochran, and it doesn't get more real and raw than listening to them share with all of us the really deep trials that no young people should have to endure, but do all the time. When we come back, more from Don and Casey Cochran from Jacksonville, Florida, a part of our Relationship Story Hour here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the great American stories we tell and love America like we do, we're asking you to become a part of the Our American Stories family. If you agree that America is a good and great country, please make a donation. A monthly gift of $17.76 is fast becoming a favorite option for supporters. Go to OurAmericanStories.com now and go to the Donate button and help us keep the great American stories coming. That's OurAmericanStories.com. And we're back with Our American Stories and our Relationship Story Hour. Always that's brought to us by the great folks at Communio and J.P. DeGance. Go to communio.org. If your marriage needs strengthening, they do terrific work and heal wounds that otherwise would not be healed. And now let's return to the story of Casey and Don Cochran. Here's J.P. While many people long for normalcy in their life, normal doesn't necessarily mean good. Here again is Dawn. When my mom married my stepdad that she's married to now, I mean, things were normal. We had a normal life because when she was married, 
and divorce my dad, um, she would like be gone and my oldest brother would be in charge and he was only 18 and he was in charge of four kids and during that time I was sexually molested and nobody knows that. My mom never knew that. I never told my mom that. She to this day doesn't know. The only person I ever told was Casey. I mean I didn't even tell my previous husband that and um, you know so um, it was just nothing I nobody I ever told you know but my brother doesn't even know I think if my brother had found out he probably would because it was his friend he probably would have killed the guy who did it I just felt alone I just felt like I had nobody um, my you know I never felt like anybody cared about me after my grandmother died and so I finished out high school and it was okay I met my ex-husband and um, you know we dated and got married and we were married for 13 years we had a son during that time I was unfaithful to him before I had my son and then I thought well okay that was a mistake and I was guilty and I just can't do this again and I tried to make it work and that's when we had my son then I thought this isn't working and I left because I knew that I would do it again so I thought I, I, I got to get out of here. I'm not the type of person that can be told what to do. <laughs> I just, he was just very controlling and he didn't, I mean he was never abusive and I thought life is too short so I left. For about a year I was single. I met my ex-husband when I was 18 and I was with him for 15 years so um, I never really had a single life so um, I was 33 when I left him so I was kind of making up for lost time and I was you know I was going to the bars and I was you know hanging out with my friends just being free for the first time in my life and I was having a good time but I found out that guys were really jerks and I was like I am done I'm just done with guys I don't I don't want to be in a relationship I don't want a boyfriend I don't want anything to do with guys at all but of course that's not the way things turned out my friend wanted to go to this particular bar that old people hung out at and I'm like I don't want to go to this bar but um, okay fine we'll go and I had been to the beach the day before and I was completely sunburned and usually I would go out in jeans and a t-shirt or whatever and just be really casual but I had to wear this dress because I was completely sunburned and I didn't want anything touching me I never dressed like that to go out but I did that night and um, and my tag was sticking out I was out with friends just to go dancing and have a good time. So we're, we're there, and the bar had one of those um, standing rails. We're in, a, in seats, and the rail is right in front of us, and I see her there, and her tag is sticking out. And I nudge my buddy, and I said, hey, man, see that girl over there? I'm going to go hit on her. And he's like, okay, whatever. I'm being a smart aleck. And I walk over, and I tucked her tag in. Well, when he did that, I was standing with my friend, and I spun around like, I just turned around like, who are you, you know? And I said, uh, excuse me, I'm not, not flirting with you, not that I wouldn't flirt with you, 
but I'm really anal retentive and I gotta fix this. And I ducked her tag in and I turned around and, and walked away. And my friend's like, she's like, oh my God, he's so cute. And he had a tattoo on the back of his neck and she saw the tattoo on the back of his neck and she's like, oh my God, he's in a gang. And I was like, he's not in a gang. Do you know what bar we're in? We were not in any place where there would be gang members hanging out. I was like, I gotta get out of here. I mean, I've got to get out of this bar. And so we left because it was not a place I hung out ever. I didn't even want to be seen in this bar. My friend wanted to go back the next week because she was looking for somebody. And I wasn't sunburned the next week, so I had on regular clothes. So the next week, I'm, we're sitting in a different location, at a, right on the edge of the dance floor. I thought he was with this girl that he was with, and so I was like, you know, I thought he was just another one of the jerks. I'm out of here, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and deal with this guy who's obviously with somebody, he's flirting with me, I'm done, you know. So I thought he was with this girl. It was like every person in the bar that came over to talk to me was drunk. And I don't do drunk, I just don't, everybody was just bugging the crap, and I was, I was really getting ready to leave. And we were talking about some other one girl that came over and, and whatever. And then I overheard her and her friend, who, who I didn't recognize, talking about the girl who had just hit on me and about how she was dressed and all that. And I said, I heard that. And then. Well, he doesn't know, but I saw him when I walked in. And, um, <laughs> and I told my friend, I, I said, there's that guy. And I said, and he's not with that girl because the girl that he was with was sitting on this other guy's lap. Okay, I'm going after that. And so we started talking trash about this girl. And I made sure that I positioned myself in a, in a place where he could see me and hear me. And so we started talking trash about this girl. And he turned around and he said, I heard that. Well, my drunk friend, she's like, you remember us? And <laughs> because she knew from the last week. And he's like, no. And I was like, uh, you tucked my tag in my dress last week. And he's like, that was you? Because I look completely different because I never dressed trashy like I did the, the week before. And I had jeans and everything on. So then that was it. He asked me if I wanted to dance. We've been together ever since. Even though the connection they made was immediate, their path to marriage wasn't exactly romantic. We got married 10 months to the day that we met. 10 months. And we got married because um, our, my, our, the lease was up on our apartment and we were looking for another place to live and we started looking at houses and we had to be married to get the loan. And I said, no, I don't want to be married. I absolutely do not want to be married because I thought marriage was, a, was just a whole just sham because I'd been married and I thought, I mean, I got married for all the right reasons, thought I did anyway, and I was engaged for three years, I got married, did the whole big wedding, thought I was getting married for, you know, life and it didn't work out. And I'm like, I'm not doing this again. I, I mean, I'd just rather just live with you and then maybe later down the road, if we're still together, then get married, but I'm not, no, I'm not doing this. Somehow he talked me into it. I don't know how, but he did. He talked me into marrying him. And the Cochran's discovered what so many couples do. Marriage can provide strength to deal with challenges together, but it certainly doesn't erase those challenges. It's a blended family because I had two daughters and she had a son. I think that the difficulty for us was the, the kids, how we did things differently. He put me 
in a bad place. I always, my daughters were moved to South Florida after my divorce. So I always felt guilty when I would see them that I didn't want to be a disciplinarian. I didn't want to come down on them hard. And she's a pretty strict disciplinarian about, hey, you're going to do this. And I, I, I forced her into being the bad guy a lot of times when I shouldn't have because I didn't want my daughters to think, oh, dad's a butt, you know, I didn't want that. I was very, very involved in their life until I was divorced. And I mean, I did everything with my kids. And then my, my ex moved him south. And, and there was a lot of bitterness, but um, it was just, uh, there was some times where I thought, you know, my daughters would do something or say something, especially there in the very beginning that was completely inappropriate to her. And we almost broke up then and there, but it, we made it through it. It was about respect for me because his girls had no respect for him. But I was going to make sure they respected me. You know, they didn't have to like me, but they were going to respect me. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, Don and Casey Cochran's story, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash OAS. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. This is it, your moment. 
This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. And we return to our American stories and our relationship story hour brought to us by the great folks at Communio. You go to communio.org to learn more about the remarkable marriage work all over the country. You have a civic organization, a church, they park alongside you and bring everybody together on one common goal, strengthen the marriages in the community. And now back to Don and Casey's story. We've been hearing from Don and Casey on how they met and got married and how... After that, they had to sort out how to be parents together to children from different relationships. They say being a mom is hard, but being a stepmom is probably harder, especially when you have forces fighting against you. And he wouldn't do anything, and it made me mad at him. And um, I'm like, okay, you've got to step up and be the dad, but he wouldn't. And so I said, okay, fine, you know, I I have to do it. And it really, it caused problems between us. Like the time Dawn had to come to her son Cody's defense. One time when we first got together that Christmas, Cody got in trouble for something. They were laughing at Cody for getting in trouble. And Cody was five years old. Amber was sitting on his lap and him and Amber were laughing. And, um, and I said, are you really laughing at Cody getting in trouble? I was talking to him. And he's like, he's like no, um, Amber just told me a joke. And I was like, so you're going to lie to me? You know, you're, really, you're just going to lie to me? And I told him at that point, I said, you know, because he was trying to make Amber happy and, um, and not be the bad guy. And I told him, I said, get your kids, get your stuff, get out of my house. I said, because I'm done. I said, I- I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I- I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to have you appease your kids while you're sitting here making fun of my kid for getting in trouble where I'm trying to teach him a life lesson. And, you know, so he, he came and apologized because I just, I wasn't going to have bad kids. From my perspective, I was trying to be the good guy. When we first got together, I worked two jobs and I worked shift work. 
So it was like, I mean, I'd go on Saturday day shift, and then Sunday I would work 3 to 11, and then Monday I would work 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 7 o'clock the next morning, and then I would go in 11 o'clock that night until 7 in the morning, and then I was off until Saturday. For a couple years, the first couple years we were together was like that. With time and effort, Casey and Don worked through these issues that so many busy parents and step-parents go through. And things were looking up. Don made big strides at work, and so did Casey, who became the director of utilities for two Navy bases. Everything seemed to be going great. And then Casey let his guard down. So when I'm working and all that, I was uh, watching some porn pretty often. And never thought really anything about it at all. Started playing some games you see on Facebook, you can play this game or whatever, and was talking to people in the games. Became flirting with people in the games. And I cheated. And she had no clue. I was completely blindsided. I didn't see any of that coming. I mean, I was at home doing my thing, you know, and um, you know, keeping the house going, keeping the bills going, you know, while he's out, you know, um, working. I just thought he was, you know, traveling, doing his thing. He came home and confessed, and he's telling me, and I'm thinking, this is not my life, you know, this is somebody else's life. This isn't, this can't be, you know. How can the person who, you know, I've loved my soulmate, how can he be telling me this? And I just was sick. I didn't eat for three days. All I did was cry. I went to my best friend's house. The day that he told me, she asked me, what do you want to do? And I said, honestly? And she said, yeah. And I said, I just want to go home. I just want to go home and I, I, just want, I just want him to hold me and I want him to tell me he loves me. And she said, then you need to go home. And I forgave him that night. I mean, the night he told me. And it wrecked her. I watched it wreck her in front of me. And it, it was the hardest thing I ever did, but it was also the most painful thing I ever did because of what I saw her go through. As we moved forward, she told me she forgave me, which I was, in shock that she would forgive me. I thought that my marriage would be over, that our life would be over, and it's not what happened. We went to some counseling. The marriage counselor actually told us that we were way ahead of most people. Dawn and Casey may well have been ahead of others because of how aware they each were and how committed they were to making their marriage work. But even after their marriage counseling, Casey knew that something was missing. We were never ever in church. I refused to go. I had a really bad experience with my ex-wife. It was around Christmas time. I wanted to go to church and she was like, I don't need to go to church. I've never had to go to church before. I, you know, why? And I just begged her. We were sitting in the driveway. We were discussing this and I was bawling, crying. And I know that I need to be in community and I know that I need this. Just go. And we went to a Christmas service with a friend of hers. I never read the Bible. I never went to Sunday school. It wasn't me. So we went. I didn't like the church, <laughs> but um, I told Casey, I said, okay, it's, 
I said, okay, it's, it's not that bad. You know, I, I guess we can, he said, do you want to start looking for a church? And I said, okay, we can start looking for a church. So we went on the hunt. We went to more than a couple. We went to like seven different churches. And like his celebration was always at the top of our list, but for some reason, it wasn't the first church we went to. It was like, it was like God was saying, you need to visit these other churches before you go to your first choice. So we visited these other churches, and then when we visited Celebration, we never went to another church. And we walked in, there was nothing going on. We sat down in the sanctuary, and there was absolutely nothing going on. Um, I think the, like the house music was playing. And um, I looked at Casey and I said, this is our church. We joined this uh, marriage empty nesters group who are all fantastic people the people who do our Bible study. They invited us to breakfast and we're hanging out, we're having a really good time and we just started talking about our lives and, and you know, what brought us to the church and this and that and the other and I just told him. He didn't even warn me that he was gonna do it. I, I, was, I was in mid-bite and I just, I mean, I literally felt my food coming up. And that was the first time that we ever actually told anyone about any of this. We'd, we had held all this inside for two years, two and a half years, and it changed everything. It just, it was like relieving pressure off of a wound or something. It was like, and, and we expected people to judge, I think, at least I did, but we didn't get judged, we got love. And it was just God's love pouring into us through all these great people. and. Uh, here we are, and we're moving forward, and it's been three years. Everybody that I've talked to said, you have to share your story. You have to because um, somebody's going to get a blessing out of this, and you need to share your story. And while you think it's, you know, it's just pain for you, your pain is going to help somebody else. And you've been listening to the story of Dawn and Casey Cochran. And my goodness, when she finds out about her husband's infidelity, this is not my life. And how she mustered up in her the capacity to forgive. Well, it revolutionized that relationship. We didn't get judged. We just got love. Dawn and Casey's story brought to us by the great folks at Communio. A special thanks to J.P. DeGantz and also to our team. Dawn and Casey's story, a great Love Story, a great Jacksonville story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. And we continue here with Our American Stories. And now it's time for our series, Ditch Digger CEO, with Gary Rabine. Gary's the founder and president of perhaps the best and biggest paving company in the country. As an entrepreneur, he's met many incredible businessmen and women throughout his life. And in this series, Gary brings us their stories. And let's just say that today's story, well, it's a tasty one. My whole life, you know, we were poor. Graduated last in my high school class, mixed race father, mother was an immigrant from Lithuania, dad was a book salesman, became a plastic molder and became a successful guy. That's Jimmy Leotold, a man who went from the bottom of his class to the top of the sandwich business. But you might better know him as Jimmy John. That's right, the founder of the freaky fast and freaky good Jimmy John Sandwiches. It all started with Jimmy in a predicament. Like many great entrepreneurs, Jimmy wasn't a great student. After graduating high school, college wasn't really the best option. I had no plan B, I had nowhere to go. My parents wouldn't let me live in the house. In my dad's house, you're out, period, that's it. 
Both of Jimmy's brothers and his father served in the Army. His father was a firm believer in the discipline that military service instills in young people. So he gave young Jimmy an ultimatum. Either enlist in the Army or open your own business. While visiting some friends at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois, Jimmy stopped into a sandwich shop and thought to himself, wait, I could do this. And so he opened his very first Jimmy John's in Charleston, Illinois. It was the first thing in my life that I could do. I was dyslexic, I couldn't read, but I was a leader and I was smart. So the teachers thought that I wasn't making an effort and I'm ADD. So this was the first thing in my life that I could do. $2.10 people would give me for a sandwich and then, and then they'd tell me, thank you. I never knew how to do math or how to be an accountant, but I became an accountant. I became very good with math. And so the, the numbers, you know, if I saw a day that I lost money, I had to work harder. I had to scrape that mayonnaise jar more. I had to get another three months out of that mop head. I had to make that toilet paper roll last as long as I could. And you know, those were just things that I did because it was the first thing in my life, the first thing that I could do. And I, again, you gotta remember, I had gone through my dad's bankruptcy in 72 and 76. I remember powdered milk, it sucks. Now I'm sure if I was hungry enough, I would have ate that, but it was awful. I hated that stuff. You know, I just made it happen. I don't know that I was meant, I just, I didn't have a plan B. So this is just, this all I knew. And so that's what I did. When I first started, Gary, I went down to Eastern Illinois University with two buddies of mine. I opened January 13th, 1983. We had 14 shifts a week, so I worked Monday, Tuesday, day, Wednesday, Thursday night, and I basically drank beer and smoked pot Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, <laughs> and, and that's what I did. So that worked for me for about a month before the first guy quit, and then I was seven days and my other guy was seven nights. And that worked for me for about another month and a half until the night guy quit. And he called me about 4.30 in the afternoon and said I quit. And so I stayed in the sandwich shop and closed the store at two in the morning, got up again and opened it up. And, and so I started working open to close. So the first week it was brutal. The second week it wasn't so bad. By the third week I started to learn who my customers were. By the fourth week, I, it was the first thing in my entire life that I ever really could do. I was a fat kid, I never played sports, I was bullied, you know, I'd gone through a bankruptcy with my dad in 72 and 76, running out of money was real for me. And here I was, it was all up to me to make it happen. And I learned that I could work open to close. I learned I learned my customers' names, I learned what they liked to eat. If they were heavy set like me, I always put a little extra mayo on. If they were skinny <laughs> like you, Gary, I took a little off. And, uh, and then at night, at one o'clock in the morning when the bars closed, that's when I served all the ends of the meats. It was still meat, they just wasn't as pretty but that was my original tough deal was that I, I never knew that I could work from 8 in the morning till 2 30 right. in the morning seven days a week so that was the first big obstacle people say hey <laughs> you know Jimmy John when did you really make it you know when when did you really make it big well I made my first million dollars in a year in 1994 and from 1994 until today I've only made more money every single year since 1994 and in 1994, when I made the million, I had no debt. I'd lived in 10 cities, opened up 10 stores in 10 years, paid for every store with my own money. And the reason that I did it with my own money is I didn't know how to make a business plan. First time I went to a bank, I was so intimidated. I didn't even know what to tell them. I just knew that I needed 35,000 bucks and I was gonna open a sandwich shop and I knew what I needed to buy to do. And so I would save up my money and I'd also work a store for a year, replace myself, save my money. So 10 years, 10 stores, 94, I made a million wow. bucks. And a couple of things that I've realized now that, that I've been through what I've been through. I, I made all my money nights, weekends, 
It's Martin Luther King Day off. We don't get a day off. It's Columbus Day. There's no day off. It's the weekend in the restaurant business. There's no day off. Weddings, funerals. There's no weddings and funerals. Our restaurant business is a lifestyle. In choosing the lifestyle that I chose and, and, and sacrificing family time and sacrificing a whole lot for what it is that I attained, I was able to do it because, you know, I did what I did. I really believe that with the internet and with iPhones, I think that people only see the glam of life. People only show the glam of themselves, the, the, the selfie, uh, look at me, <laughs> look at me, look at me. And at the same point, they most likely assume that that's what founders and CEOs do as well. And the fact of the matter right. is, it's not even part of my life. You know, I think that they don't know really how it all happens. It's only perception. And then the celebrity success stories like the Jenner daughter. She's 21 years old, going to be a billionaire with her makeup. Or they look at Mark Zuckerberg, who's worth $40 billion and wears a sweatshirt and jeans. You know, they, they just assume it's just a very casual thing. Well, it might be in software, but it certainly isn't at turning salamis into, into <laughs> you know, into wealth. Back when I first left Charleston, it was important and moved to Macomb, Illinois, which is 154 miles from door to door. I used to drive that route every week. And I had to learn how to leave my sandwich shop alone and have my manager treat my customers as if I was there. And so I began profit sharing with my managers way back in the mid 80s. And I did full transparency on the financials. So they saw all the money that was spent because they ordered the food. They saw what their electric bill was because the electric bill came to them. So I started full transparency and profit sharing back in, in, the, in the mid 80s before anybody did it. Now, Chick-fil-A might have been doing it now. Chick-fil-A splits 50-50 with their managers. So the managers really act like, like owners because they're treated like wow. owners. And so I started that back in the mid 80s. And, and now to this day, our Jimmy John's company stores, we share profits with the managers. And, uh, and we really believe that creates an environment that enables them. I, I've got managers that are six-figure managers. And that doesn't happen in the business. But I've been doing it forever because there's a lot of detail that goes into running these sandwich shops and it's all about the small stuff. If you take care of the small stuff, the big stuff takes care of itself. And the only way you can have them think about managing paper towels and managing the electricity and turning the air conditioning up at night and back down again when you arrive in the morning is when you tie them to the financial statement and it becomes a free market situation. And then they realize the harder they work, the more they make, then it's lights out. Now we're just partners that doesn't require area supervision, and these guys just, uh, they operate on their own, and they become unicorns. In addition to that, 14 of 17 department heads at Jimmy John's all came from the sandwich shop, and they're all millionaires now. To be able to take these kids and, and teach them and let them, be, you know, come up and grow into the company is really a wonderful thing. So it's a, it feels good, you know. It, it feels good. It's no fun eating a big chocolate cake alone, believe you me. Uh, so it, 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 it's wonderful to share. But my greatest accomplishment is I raise children who are hardworking, that are grounded, that are balanced. If you looked at any of their social media, you would never see anything that has to do with our lifestyle. It is not a value of theirs. They'll look you in the eye. They'll shake your hand. They'll contribute. I've got some really good grounded kids. And I think that's probably my greatest reward that I have in my entire life. And of course, Jimmy couldn't do that without another very special person. I was sitting here on the podcast right now, and my wife dropped off my lunch for today. You know, my wife sets me up 
for success. You know, yesterday morning, we, we, we're, in the, we're, we're big farmers down here. We, we went and took a walk around a farm for four miles. And my wife is always there for me to be my, she's my life partner. You know, it's not normal to have a woman grow as I've grown. You know, I went from survival to success. We just celebrated 20 years together, and this woman has kept up with me the whole time. And when I'm weak, she's strong, and when she's weak, I'm strong. I think we just got lucky. I really think we just got lucky because I'm not a perfect man, and I've failed in many ways, and, and she has as well, and we both admit it. And yet here we are today stronger than ever. You got to have chemistry. That's what gets you through the hard times. If you don't have the crazy chemistry and you hit one of those incredible obstacles that you will mm. face as a couple, the only thing really that gets you through is chemistry. So my advice there is kiss a lot of frogs until you find the chemistry that makes yeah. you crazy yeah, yeah, so yeah. that you can get you through the hard times because without chemistry, it, it doesn't work. And typically what you're looking for, what you think you're looking for, when you're really ready, it's totally opposite of what you think you're looking for. There's no such thing as the old spice guy on the white horse running down the beach with his shirt off. That that ain't that that that's that's a commercial. That ain't real. You've been listening to Jimmy Leotode, aka Jimmy John, the guy who founded that entire big, big national franchise that well you know by name, and it's him. And we love these stories. Jimmy's story of Jimmy John's here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth no matter who you are. Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.